But if you haven't figured out how to sell your own product, and this happens all the time, uh, don't even bother partnering until you get that straight because um, you'll fail and you will, you will ruin yourself for partners later on when you do get your act together. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenow. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the B2B MX Podcast. We are in the thick of planning for our upcoming B2B MX event in Scottsdale, Arizona. But we're here today to bring you back to Boston with a little replay action. Yes, we are. So we have an all-star panel coming up for you folks. ChannelWise's Catherine Rose, Alvio's MJ Patton, AppGate's Tina Gravel, and Logically's Michelle Accardi joined forces for How to Ways Your Partners to Success. So we know building a channel is a profitable route to success, but without a real plan, achieving success is a long and winding road. But these ladies shared some amazing insights to guide that journey. So without further ado, let's toss things over to the experts and roll that tape, baby. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. And thank you everyone for coming today and for B2B SMX for hosting this panel. I am Catherine Rose. I'm the founder of ChannelWise, an expert marketplace that helps MSP, VAR, and channel professionals accelerate their business or career growth. And today I'm joined by true channel professionals as we walk through how to use the channel as a route to market and how you can use best practices to give your partners a roadmap for success. And with that, I'd like to welcome today's panel. We have Michelle Accardi. Michelle is the CEO. CEO of Logically, one of the fastest growing security-focused managed service providers. She has an impressive background in driving successful mergers and acquisitions and capital raises. She is regarded as a technical thought leader on next generation marketing and communication strategies. Welcome, Michelle. We have Tina Gravel, an award-winning executive with more than 28 years in information technology. She is currently the CEO of Pinecone Hill LLC, a boutique firm specializing in revenue consulting for technology firms. Prior to PCH, Tina spent seven years as SVP of Global Channels and Alliances at AppGate, a secure access software and services company. Tina is known as a cybersecurity influencer and has received countless awards for her work. Welcome, Tina. Thank you. Last but not least, MJ Patton. MJ is the founder and CEO of Alveo, a go-to-market services company located in Scottsdale, Arizona. And she spent the last 10 years building and scaling marketing teams for several IT channel companies, ranging from SMB service providers to Fortune 100 IT distributors. Welcome to everyone, and thank you for joining us today. So I want to get started by you know my years in the channel, in the IT channel. You know, a lot of people think of it as a great way to extend their sales force. You know, if they want to accelerate their revenue growth, like, well, let's just get a channel and have partners, you know, sell for us. Um, we all know that that's not the case. It's certainly not easy and it's not quick, right? But since there's no degree in channel, I'm gonna guess that you all started your career journey in something else, <laughs> maybe a little bit of a learning curve. So we'll start with you, Michelle, since you're right here. Talk a little about, about your career journey and what brought you here today. Sure, so I spent uh, my formative years at 
Computer Associates, CA Technologies, uh, really as a marketer uh, in with the direct sales force. And as CA wanted to grow, uh, the channel became much more important to them. Uh, and I got more involved there. And I became their VP of uh, digital marketing and transformation and took the channel along with us around how we got out to our ecosystem. And from there, I became CMO of a company called Star to Star Communications, which was only channel. We only sold through the channel. And we grew that business from 16 million to nearly 100 million and had a near half a billion dollar exit uh, two Aprils ago. Uh, from there, uh, where I was uh, president and CRO, uh, made the foray into becoming a CEO uh, at, again, one of the fastest growing security MSPs. And one of the first things I realized when I walked into the MSP was, gosh, we have this great cybersecurity practice and we have a great MSP practice. We really could be helping smaller MSPs and VARs and telecom agents who need to extend their portfolio because cybersecurity is so important these days. We need to really bring to bear a channel program. So that's really where I've been focused, is augmenting our, uh, our program, our direct program, with a, an awesome channel program. And in, that helps us also to what I like to say, punch above our weight. Um, you know, we're a, over a $100 million company, but we would love to be understood, again, as one of the biggest and best cybersecurity MSPs in the industry. And when you have a channel that is out there broadcasting your brand, it amplifies everything, not only that you do in the channel, but for your direct brand as well. What a great story. Yeah. Uh, I'm Tina Gravel, as, uh, as you know, and um, my uh, journey started, um, started way back when the EEOC was telling contractors to hire women. And fortunately, I was one of those. And also fortunately, I, I was able to stay there and make it work. I was in direct sales individual contributor for many years. I had seven figure years. It was extremely lucrative. But I started to get promoted into sales management and as a VP of sales. And I was doing that. And um, the CEO of a company that I worked for, and I've told the story so many times, I hope you haven't heard it, but the CEO of Terramark, Manny Medina, said, I'd like you to run the channel for us. I'd like you to figure out what to do and, and put it on the map. And all we have are these onesie, twosie guys going into the data center, and we could do better. And I said, isn't that where good salespeople go to die? Because I had no respect for the channel. I had no idea what they did. Since then, I agree with Michelle, it is a leverage point for your organization. It is absolutely dynamite in growing your company with big ifs. And we'll talk about what those ifs are. If you don't have the ifs, uh, it's not going to work. But um, since then, I, I did take a, a job where I was a GM and did channel and other things. And then I went back to work with my friends from Terramark for seven years at AppGate. I recently resigned from there. Uh, in April and, and stayed till July 1st to the end of the quarter. And um, now I'm looking, I guess I'm what they call the part of the great resignation. Um, I'm looking for my next role and to do something really different. In the meantime, I'm doing consulting and board work. But I will tell you this, whatever I do, 
the channel will be forefront because I know the value. Um, I am so honored to be, you know, sitting up here with you ladies, like in your backgrounds. Um, so I, I have a very, I think, unique uh, story in my career. So I started out at a service provider. We did third-party maintenance. I ran their marketing. And that's kind of how I fell into it. Uh, and I learned I love IT people. And I love, um, you know, just the technology world. I then went up to Insight Enterprises, which is, you know, it's a Fortune 500 uh, value-added reseller. And they brought me in to build out their service provider vertical, which is what's very unusual because Insight was considered a competitor to managed service providers and other uh, solution providers. So that was a wonderful experience. I then took over their vertical marketing. So I had uh, state and local education, healthcare, et cetera. And I really learned the entire world of MDF and you know how to build out our relationships with all of these uh, original equipment manufacturers and publishers. And from there, I then actually went into consulting. I worked with Tech Data, which is, uh, you know, now it's TD Synex, but a uh, huge IT distributor. I came in actually as part of uh, right after a merger and acquisition where I had to unify their eight service organizations under a single brand. And we were trying to do something very different within a distributor uh, because we were a services org and that was not what distribution did. And we also sold up the channel instead of further down into the channel. So it was a wonderful experience. I saw you know, how the entire thing works from end to end and all of the players and how important the channel is to bring you know, technology solutions to these businesses and to you know, your end users. So that, that's kind of you know, my, my background and how I fell in love with it. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I think a lot of times uh, folks are thinking, well, you know, we'll, we'll go get a channel. It will help us. You know, we'll get a, a sales force out there, right? And, and regardless if you are in the IT technology channel or if you have a referral channel, affiliate channel, any of those kinds of things, one of the biggest challenges of that is marketing through others, right? And how many times have you guys, you know, seen this over the years of like, well, we build it and they will come. You know, we have a partner program and we have a portal and we have, you know, those kinds of things. So. Talk a little bit about, from your experience, you know, how have you worked with partners to help them and really co-sell with them to raise your revenue? Go, go ahead, Michelle, we'll start with well, you. Well, uh, I think it, it starts with truly partnering. Um, it, it, it requires that you don't, you definitely have to have the marketing capabilities there, but it, it starts with understanding who your um, ideal partner uh, type is. And then once you understand, so your ideal partner type might not, as a channel, might not be a VAR, might not be an MSP channel, might not be a telecom agent channel. It might be other digital marketing companies. It might be um, uh, you know, retail. Understanding what channel you're trying to and what motivates them. Are they motivated by high margins? Uh, and then that's what they need. Are they trying to cut costs? Um, and then meeting them where they are with, here's how our partner program helps you to achieve those, those goals. Um, you also have to be willing to invest. Um, you have to understand that this is not a free way to get a sales force. Um, you have to be able to invest. So it might actually cost you more initially. 
until you can scale something. So, you know, you pay a partner potentially, you know, uh, instead of paying them 20% uh, commission on a monthly recurring service, you're paying them maybe 25 or 30% to get the first few deals in and then have them be able to be your poster child for this is what this partnership can be and getting them to help you uh, to get others in that channel. Uh, but really understanding your ideal partner profile is just as important as your ideal customer profile. Uh, and all of that sort of has to blend together. You have to know what your ICP is. And then for your ICP, who's the partner that's going to meet you there? Um, how do you get in front of them? What events do they go to? What digital channels do they spend time on? And you have to build a whole nurture flow the same way as you would for your ideal customer type. Uh, and then ultimately, you have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and get out there from a sales perspective um, to support them through at least their first few sales mm -hmm. uh, to get them to be, uh, that, that's my experience. Well, I mean, and you have to put on your patience hat, right? Because it yeah. takes like, it takes a good 18 months. I mean, let's be honest it about does. it, to really bring a partner through the whole process. Everything Michelle said is right on. The only thing I would add to it is this. When you do your research about your partners, you really have to know yourself too. If you have a mature product in a mature market, there is a completely different uh, go-to-market strategy than if you have something that is in a missionary stage or not quite accepted yet. Now, I've been through the, the former more times than I can, uh, than I want to discuss. What I will tell you about when you're bringing something new to the channel is that all of the things that Michelle said, correct. You've got to spend some money. You have to understand who the right targets are. But I'm going to say something else to you, which um, I think is critical. The channel can't sell something if you can't teach them how to sell it. And, there, and I have gone to companies that did not have, they had not decoded their own sales process. So in that case, it becomes the blind leading the blind. And nobody wants that. What will happen is you lose the confidence of those partners, or they'll say, this is too hard. I have other products that I can sell that are easier. The only thing that will, will save your you know, butt in this case is if the market wants your product so badly mm -hmm. that these things can be overcome because the partners are getting phone calls. That's the only thing. Or the market motivation is that you know, everybody's talking about the subject and I need something to fill in a hole. But if you haven't figured out how to sell your own product, and this happens all the time, uh, don't even bother partnering until you get that straight because um, you'll fail. And you will, you will ruin yourself for partners later on when you do get your act together. Because we've seen probably a lot of times, MJ, you have as well, where they start off direct sales, sales right. and they're like, oh, we want to scale faster, so we're going to go channel. Yes. And then they come back to direct because they've couldn't, they didn't do those steps, right? And yeah. now they want to go back out you know, to channel. Yeah, and I, I wanted to highlight um, two things from both of you like that are so important. 
It's really knowing who are you going after, and it's really making sure you have a concrete go-to-market like in the direct business. And so Alveo, we, we help with service providers scale their organizations, as well as technology companies trying to go through that IT channel. And the first thing we do is we assess your go-to-market strategy and identify, is it solid enough to pass that through the channel? Is your product or is your service actually consumable by the, uh, by the channel? Or what are the things that you need to have in place in order to actually pass through this? We have a, uh, actually it's a privacy uh, company and they wanted to build out their channel and they wanted to go directly to the execution piece. They wanted to hire an- Because that's uh, the fun part. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You, you hire a channel <laughs> account manager yeah. and it's gonna work that way. And, and the first thing we did it was look at their services, look at their offering, and we said, you need to invest heavily into the support of this because it is something that doesn't have, uh, most MSPs don't have this capability. So you are asking them for significant investment. So unless you have that in place, this is not gonna work. And so because of that, they went back and they started building out that part of their organization to prep themselves to actually go down into the channel. And then that goes back to really knowing who are you going after? Because you know, there's all of this conversation about the entire ecosystem and the, there's so many players that impact your ideal client profile, making sure you're treating them differently. Uh, we made this mistake actually when I was at Insight because like I said, we were building up the service provider segment and we just bucketed everyone in there. MSPs, ISVs, uh, CSPs, you know, everything SPs. We're like, oh, they're the same. But the thing is, they're not. And they have different motivations, they have different challenges. And then on top of it, you have to take into consideration their own go-to-market maturity yes. level. Yes. Do they have the capacity to leverage what you're giving them? Do they know how to sell? A lot of MSPs, unfortunately, don't. They don't have sales organizations. So what are you doing to really support them and make sure that you know they're gonna be successful? Or do you have that path laid out for them to get them there? Hey marketers, you've heard us talking all about it and now it's finally happening. The B2B Marketing Exchange is coming back to Scottsdale in 2023 and we wanna see you there in person. If you're a fan of the B2B conversations we share on the B2B MX podcast, this event is literally made for you. Get a front row seat at sessions that will challenge everything you know about marketing, sales, ABM, go-to-market strategy, and so much more. Plus, you'll get a chance to mingle and network with the best of the best in B2B. As a B2B MX podcast listener, you'll get 25% off your ticket by using the code PODCAST25 at registration. Check out the show notes for more information or head to b2bmarketing.exchange to register now. So you have, you, 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 if you've done the work, hopefully you have, um, that you've identified the right partners, you have that go-to-market strategy, your, your USP, whatever you want to call it, you know, why should anyone care about what your product or service is and why should they sell it for you, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the tools that you all have in your toolbox, and I'll start with you, Tina, in the middle there. Um, sure. What are all some of the levers you pull initially and then maybe we can get into a little bit like as the partner program matures, like what are levers you push? Pull. Well, the first thing I needed to do is get, um, because my product was very elegant and complex from a security standpoint, I had to prove that I was the best. I had to have technology, technology behind me, technological prowess. 
I had to get the technologists in these firms excited about what I did to the extent that they would tell sales. Secondly, I had to incent them to learn about it. So I had to set up a rewards program, which isn't done much in my industry, in my, at least unless you're Cisco, and um, give points for certification, give gifts for getting trained, which is very different. What we normally do is, is give gifts for somebody that sells something. So it's, it's a, it's a, it took a lot for my finance I'm going to stop right there because I think that's a really important point to make because I think a lot of people, sometimes they feel like, oh, we're doing the partner a favor by letting them sell our stuff because oh God, we're giving no. them a commission. No, no, but no. What you said is very important that oftentimes to enter the channel, it is a little bit of a pay to play. You have, yes. to, you have to court them. It is a relationship. And then the most mind-blowing thing of all for my finance department was that I said, everybody that gets certified gets a free, free use for up to 25 people in their company. Give it away. Uh, because if they don't use it, they won't have what I called, and I saw this, that I came up with this because I saw one of our technologists, he had, he's like a believer, right? He was a true believer. And I wanted to create true believers. And how else do I do that? than get them to use the product, right? Because it was great. It was a great, AppGate has a great product. You know, whether I'm there or not, I'll tell you. But that, it was missionary work. It had to be done differently. So I'm, when you have a new, very immature product with an immature channel, you have to do some different things, clearly. And I think the way that you have to convince your finance people, um, you know, uh, sitting in a different, not in the CMO, but in the CEO, yeah. uh, is that you have to explain to them where the risk lies in the channel. Yes. Um, remember, these folks are not getting a salary from you. Right. Uh, therefore, they have choice. Uh, so ultimately, uh, the risk is on them. Why are they, they have opportunity cost with regards to do they spend the time to get educated and trained on your product versus someone else's? And are you top of mind always? Which is why yes. I'm sure, Tina, that, that you were like, let them use the product first. Well, you did the same thing at Star to Star. Absolutely. You used to ship them the kits, yeah. I remember. Yeah, we, oh, we, we, you know, we, we, had, uh, we had demo kits, and the demo kits were, um, now, now we asked, basically, we, 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 when we were getting, just getting started, we were small, right? We couldn't afford to just send all the hardware out. So we would basically say, look, it's $700 or $800 for a demo kit. You pay that. If you close two deals, we reimburse you. Uh, so there's creative ways to make these things uh, work, but ultimately, you have to remember that the risk isn't only on your company, it's on your channel Absolutely. as well. And when you can really understand that and show empathy to your channel around what you're asking their investment to be and what the payoff is, and I really think those financial models are super important. You need to be able to model for a channel how big this can get for them, what it can, it, how does it impact their revenue, not just your revenue. You know, so I you, asked him to give me a year. <laughs> I, said, I said, what do we have to lose if, it, I know humanly we can't give out more than 100 of these, yeah. right? Give me a year. And uh, if I don't do what I say I'm going to do, then, then you can stop the program. Right. What's, what's the harm, right? So I, I'm, 
that is wonderful, and I'd love to see your model sometime if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, because there's definitely ways to do it, and I think it's a really, you know, because from a marketer perspective, you know, you get different perspectives on the marketing and the sales side than you do from the actual, the CEO, the finance seat, That's because right. we are always going to these folks and saying, hey, we want to give out kits, we want to do this, we want to do that, and they're like, wait a second, this is a huge drain, you know, and it could take 18 months to, to, to get Show it back. Show me the model. Yeah. yeah. Show me the model of how it's going to increase our revenue, show me the model of how it impacts the partner, and that is how you get more money yeah. to run your partner programs, to run any of your marketing programs, quite frankly. Right. And start with a pilot. You know, like, get a few partners and prove it out before you then announce it to the world that, hey, we have this partner program, and then you get overwhelmed and you don't have the infrastructure to support it. Um, you know, identify who you think is going to be the most successful, go after them, build it out, work out the tweaks, get their feedback, make it a collaborative process, and then from there you can expand out. And you can show that back to your CFO, to your CEO, hey look, this is the results uh, we said we're going to get, and look how that looks, like, well, or yeah. what do we have to change? What's interesting is that when people talk about the indirect channel versus the direct, they think it's just sales and marketing. Right. It isn't. So what you just said was brilliant. The fact is that it influences every department in the company. So I have uh, gray hair. You can't see it because I take care of it once a month. But I have super gray hair. And the reason I do, I look like Larry back there. <laughs> if I don't dye my hair, he's a perfect example of non-dying your hair, God bless him. Anyway. Relationships in the channel. That's yes, yes, He's, yeah. we're good friends. I'm not just picking on an innocent bystander. <laughs> he's a, he's, he is a superstar in the channel, actually. Anyway, so I, um, I had gray hair because I tried to implement a partner program, and I didn't have all these things. And that was at the very beginning. I didn't realize, so when the billing came and it had to be you know, different, and the, it, it really upset the apple cart. I had to go around making lots of promises and apologizing to lots of people. And so you know, that was 10 years ago or so. I've since learned that um, to get your operations folks, get your dotted line feelers out to ops, finance, everybody that you need, and make sure you have a, a tiger team to help you get there, you may not be able to afford to do it like you said and wait for the revenue to come until you get it worked out. I can tell you at AppGate we didn't. So we kept changing the wheels on the bus as it was moving. And that's not, that's not optimal, but it just sometimes you can't afford to do it any other way. Right, right. So talk a little bit about the, you know, the, the most challenging things you've seen, because I mean, you've all taken channel programs from the ground up. And what are some of the, you know, the challenges and roadblocks, and how do you advise um, people to overcome them? And I'll start with you, MJ. Yeah, so I, I would say that that's the biggest thing is don't, don't think this is a one-way street. It's really a partnership. Um, well, and in the beginning, it's really not about you at all. Right. Let's be honest about it, right? Because that's sometimes it's so many times people think, you know, it's always like, who cares, right? Not, not right. so. It's like, so what, really? So what? Yeah, yeah. and the thing is, um, like, so for example, at Insight, we had thousands of partners, thousands. And to get the mind share of our sales team and our marketing team, so it's either the pay to play, but even then we were realizing we weren't hitting our numbers, we weren't delivering on the promise to 
our, uh, to our partners. So we pushed back and said, listen, if you're gonna pull our sales team off of the floor, you're costing us you know, $50,000 for that half an hour. You better make it worth our time to you know, have a conversation. And so we got our product team, our sales team, our, mar um, our marketing team all fully aligned of what we expect from our vendors, and we asked them to align to that, and unless they did, we didn't allow them to uh, actually train our sales team, and which really upset, <laughs> obviously the uh, you know the big guys. But we saw our numbers increase significantly. The amount of engagement, um, I think we hit our we tripled our pipeline within three uh, sorry six months. We doubled the revenue within the year. Like it it was it was huge. But we forced that collaboration and making sure it's a true partnership, not a. Hey, like just I'm gonna come, come in and buy in you and pizza yeah. and exactly. your rate sheet or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Tina, go ahead. Um, I have seen um, some of that going on in the channel recently, where they actually assign someone to manage you that actually reaches out and makes sure things get done. And I think that's that's really smart because uh, if you don't have people aligned, like you said, why, why bother? It's just going to waste your salespeople's time. They're doing it so they don't waste their salespeople after the first year go completely com commission. And so they want to make sure that everything is dialed in so that they don't disturb them. And I, I just thought that was really smart. I can tell you that I worked in a place once. When I interviewed with them, I told them, your DNA is this, so if you're going to sell that, you have to do it this way. And they said, you're, yeah, yeah, you're right. And it was about the cloud, and it was about selling everybody else's cloud, because their DNA was reselling. Well, when I got there, they, uh, they just didn't agree. And um, they had spent so much mo money developing you know, their own cloud. Well, I did my best to try to find differentiators so I could compete with the likes of Amazon, Google, Microsoft, IBM. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. And, and after about 18 months, I left. That company no longer exists, mm -hmm. okay? And, and it just goes to show you that, you know, if you have somebody in your company that's giving you advice, you really need to look at it and not just say no. Um, because, you, you know, you'll do it to your peril, your own peril. Yeah, from, from a biggest challenges perspective uh, from the channel, I would say, you know, getting the mind share of uh, whoever your channel is, um, because it's, a no it's noisy out there. Uh, and I don't think that there's one channel tool or one marketing uh, way to do no. this. Um, so you have to expect it's probably going to take twice as long as you think it will. Uh, you know, I, you, I can say that, that in every case, you know, I've, uh, I've always said, hey, we're going to get to this revenue mark, and it will get there, but it generally takes twice as long as I thought it was going to take. Um, uh, so whatever I tell you, double it. Um, that's what I've learned. Uh, the, the other thing is, is that operational alignment. Um, you know, you have to pay your channel. You have to commission them. Your finance team probably barely gets the commissioning right on your direct sales That's force. Right. So, and you can't screw over your channel mm -hmm. when it comes to their commissions. Again, they're taking a risk on you. Um, uh, so getting that operational and finance piece and support, making sure who the rules of engagement around how you interact with the customer 
of that check. You have a mutual customer, depending on whose paper the deal is on. Is it on theirs? Is it on yours? What's that shared support model of that customer? Uh, and having that really ironed out and understood by all parties, internal and external, is uh, real and understood by the customer. Because maybe the customer likes you better, but it's on the partner's paper. Uh, you know, when they start coming to you, your, your partner feels disintermediated. Uh, those problems are the real problems of the channel. Um, they're real opportunities to get real close uh, and uh, better support your, your, your customer. Uh, so th those are the challenges, but I think it's well, all that's good opportunities. Uh, and really, that's awesome. opportunities because if you aren't recognized, if, if your competitors aren't recognizing it and you are, that's the opportunity to grab that mind share. Well, thank you so much for everyone for being here with us today. Um, we'll be here after, I, don't, I think we're running over a little bit, so we'll be here after. Um, if anyone has any questions, we'll be happy to stay and answer them. So thank you very much and good luck in your channel journey. Thank you. We always love an all-female panel, and these ladies did an amazing job of sharing the tools, tactics, and plans needed to better support their partners and set them up for success. Absolutely. So it looks like that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And to keep up to date on the latest issues, be sure to subscribe to our pod on your podcast player of choice. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, too. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our episodes, as well as get your opinions on what other topics you'd like us to cover. With that, we're going to wrap things up here. Catch you all later.